All right. Whoops. Have you ever, can you think of some things that just don't go together? Like maybe Seattle Seahawks fans and New England Patriots fans. They just don't mix. It's a good win for the Seahawks last night. Or how about like a banana and some summer sausage? Just a nice bite of banana and summer sausage. Maybe not so much. How about some other things that may don't go together? I think we need, I need a little crowd participation on this one. How about cheddar cheese? What just doesn't work with cheddar cheese? What do you think? Throw something out for me. Toothpaste. Toothpaste. <laughs> Good one. A smoothie. Yeah, Jamba Juice with cheddar. Yeah, that's a little, <laughs> that's a little weird. What's that? Ketchup. Ketchup and cheddar cheese? Uh, River would say for sure ketchup and cheddar cheese, huh? River, ketchup and cheddar cheese? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, how about, how about um, M&M's? What definitely does not go with M&M's? Carrots? Ooh, Skittles, that's a good one. <laughs> what else? What doesn't go with M&M's? Mayonnaise. Man- <laughs> yeah. Mayonnaise M&M's definitely does not mix. Any others? I think mayonnaise is my winner. You got it, Derek. <laughs> How about, I, I, I have a visual aid for this one. Jackson, come on down. Jackson has these amazing plaid pants that I like. They remind me of Scotland. What, what does not, yeah, Jackson, come on down. So what does not go together with, with amazing plaid pants? Say, say it loud, Anthony. More plaid on top. Unmatching plaid. Let's give Jackson a hand there. Yes, yes. That's a perfect example. Those things just don't match. They don't go together. Our passage today from Luke brings together two things that we can often think don't go together. But I wonder if there's a bit of a surprise for us today. We're coming out of Luke chapter 10 today. And we're continuing our series of this embodied discipleship. Following Jesus in the gospel of Luke. And we're in Luke chapter 10 where this teacher of the law comes to Jesus and asks him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, like he often does, sends the question back to him. Well, what do you think? And the man says, well, you shall, uh, what I read is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind and your neighbor as yourself. He knows the law. He's been studying it. The Old Testament law, the Jewish law for many years. And he gives this answer. And Jesus says, you've given the right answer. Do this and you'll live. So this man asks, what's the most important thing for me to do? And the answer he gives, as he sees in the Old Testament scripture, is to love God with your whole person and to love your neighbor, to love others and see them as just as valuable as I am, just as valuable as we are. This is the answer that he gives. And Jesus says, yeah, you got it. You nailed it. That is what it looks like. That is God's desire for us as people. Live that way. Both of those. With a lawyer, this teacher of the law, then seeks a way out. Particularly that neighbor one. Gosh, it's hard to love people and honor them as, as, just as valuable as I am. So he asked this question, wanting to justify himself, he says to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? 
It'd be a lot easier if I could just check a box, say, well, I gave my money to this organization. Now I'm kind of done with that neighbor thing. Or I gave to that homeless person. Or I, I, I was kind to that person who no one else is kind to in my residence hall. So, I, you know, I love my neighbor now, right? And then we get the story that we're familiar with. The story of the Good Samaritan. As Jesus tells this, this tale of how a man is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It is down, this windy road with narrow parts, and he gets attacked by robbers. And the robbers come and beat him up and steal his stuff and leave him half dead by the side of the road. And along comes a priest, presumably finished up serving in the temple. Maybe there's two week or a week long time of serving. He's coming down, sees this, this hurting man, crosses over to the other side, and walks past. Similarly, a Levite one who would have been serving in the administration of the temple, helping the other parts of the temple, everything work right for the worship of God and for the Jews. The Levite comes, sees the man, also crosses the other way and keeps going. And we know the third one comes, and this one is Samaritan. Which, remember, the Samaritans were hated by Jews, looked down upon. They were the ones who, in the northern kingdom of Israel, when, when Assyria had conquered them in 722 B.C., part of Assyria's plan for overtaking the world was they would bring in, import people from other places, have them intermarry with the people, bring their own gods and worship, so that the people of Israel would have less of a chance of rebelling later on. These Samaritans were the descendants of that Assyrian move. That's why the Jews called them half-breeds pagan idolaters who kind of worshipped the God of Israel, but kind of didn't. The Jews hated Samaritans, looked down on them. They were the outsiders. The, they were the ones who didn't understand God, didn't do things right. And yet, in Jesus' story, it's this outsider looked down upon, one who doesn't get it, who comes along, sees this hurting man, goes to him, helps him, tends his wounds, takes him on his own donkey, and puts him in the inn, gives the money to the innkeeper, he can be taken care of. He loved him as he would want himself to be loved. So at the end of that story, Jesus says to, to, to this teacher of the law, which one of the three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Jesus flips it. Remember, the man asks, who is my neighbor? I mean, who can I love and just check the box? Jesus says, who became a neighbor to the person in need? And the man answers, the one who showed him mercy. Notice he won't even say it's Samaritan. The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, go and do likewise. See, Jesus tells the story and reinforces what he said earlier. The call is to be a neighbor to all. To treat every person you come in contact with as just as valuable as you are. Just as worthy of care, of love, of respect as you are. That's the Good Samaritan story. One we're familiar with. And often, that's where I stopped reading this. Got some great plaid pants. It's a great story. It's, it's great. I mean, it's, it's hard to think about how to actually love my neighbor. But that's it. Done. Good. Okay. Check. But as we were doing our sermon planning with our group of, there's a group of students and staff in the GAMIs, uh, the graduate assistants, working together last, uh, last spring, working on this sermon series, we realized that 
Luke puts a passage right after that. Shocking. <laughs> the Bible doesn't end there. We happen to have a little line break in our Bibles, but there's another story right next to this story. And it's a story another one we're familiar with, but maybe we don't often read them together. So Luke goes on and says, Now these disciples and Jesus went on their way. They went on their way to an inch of a certain village, and there there's these two sisters. Mary and Martha, we know their brother is Lazarus, who in John 11, Jesus raises from the dead. So Mary and Martha are there, and they, they welcome Jesus and the disciples into the home. And in that space, Martha is working to get everything ready for, the, for, for them. Presumably food, you know, whatever you need to do to host well. But Mary sits at Jesus' feet, listening to what he is saying. Martha, distracted by her many tasks, comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better, which will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen the better part. Again, a familiar story, and we could talk a lot about story. We could unpack either of these stories a whole bunch more, but simply, this lifts up in the midst of the busyness and the demands, all the good things we could be doing, the very most important thing we can do is to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him. Sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him. This is the better part. How do we do that? Maybe things like spiritual practices, Opening our Bible and listening, prayer, coming to corporate worship like you are right now, in person or online. Maybe it's prayer or fasting or solitude, listening to sermons, hopefully really good sermons. <laughs> the number one thing is to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him. So the question I have how do these two passages go together? Why did Luke put these two as neighbors right next to each other as he brought together carefully this account of Jesus' life and teaching for Theophilus? Well, let's rewind a little. Go back to the beginning. What, what was, what was the, the, the passage we started with? What's the most important thing I need to do to be right with God, to live life the way God wants me to? This one question had what? Two answers. One question, two answers. Love the Lord your God with your whole person and love your neighbor as yourself with your whole person. In other words, put everything unto the Lordship of Jesus. Surrender everything and in that surrendering everything, you're going to love God, and subsequently you're going to love others around you. This is what it looks like to live rightly with God. And then Luke includes a story that unpacks the neighbor part first. What does it look like to, to love your neighbor? Well, the Samaritan. Care for every person as if they are just as valuable as I am. And then the story of Mary and Martha. What does it look like to love God? 
sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him. So which is it? Is it the plaid pants or the plaid shirt? Maybe Luke's trying to tell us that it's not an either or situation. Maybe Luke's trying to tell us this is a both and. It's a both and. Maybe it's not either I'm a social justice person or I'm a Jesus person. Maybe it's not I care about race or I care about evangelism. Maybe it's not I study social issues or I study the Bible and pray. Maybe Jesus and Luke are pointing out to us this is a both and. Both inner spiritualities, I sit at Jesus' feet, and love in action as I care for others as ones who are just as valuable as I am. Maybe it's a both and of caring and loving God and loving our neighbor in action. Maybe it's both Jesus and justice. Maybe it's like ants on a log. You know how to answer the log? Just think about celery and peanut butter and raisins, maybe a little cinnamon sprinkled on top. Sounds gross, but you put them together and they're actually amazing. Highly recommended if you haven't tried it. Totally an American, weird American thing. If you're not from America, you think that's crazy, but try it anyway. Maybe it's like, like River would say ketchup on everything, including cheddar cheese, broccoli, cucumbers. I mean, put it on. It just makes it better. Maybe a little bit like in our Advent Christmas season, uh, think about colors. We have uh, uh, some family members who are artists, and a few years ago they gave us a color wheel. Uh, I'd never seen one before. Maybe some of you have taken art here and you learned about color wheels. And one of the things I didn't understand about color, I, I didn't understand much. I'm not that great about color. My, I have to ask my wife what clothes match so I can put them on and not look silly. But one of the things I learned is that when you have a color on one side of the color wheel, and you have color on the opposite side of the color wheel, those two, you would think, I would think anyway, you don't put those together. That's trouble. But actually, you put those two together, two opposites, they actually make each other pop. They make, you can actually see the vibrancy of both the colors when you put them together. And you know what the opposite at Christmas time here, you know what the opposite of red is on the color wheel? Got a guess? Green, way to go. Red and green are, are complementary, opposites in the color wheel. You might think they're either or, but actually, it's both and. It's a both and. And when you put them together, they pop. You see the beauty and the vibrancy. I think Luke is showing us, out of this great commandment of Jesus, the call is to both love God and love others. And when you put those together, it pops. We are living the way God wanted us to be in the both and. The both and of Jesus and justice. And of course, we see this most clearly popping in Jesus himself. Jesus himself, who gave his whole life in love for God, and out of that love for God, in love for others. Band, you can come on up. Jesus lived in such a way that his, 
he lived in obedience to the Father, doing only what the Father said. He prayed, listened, obeyed, loved the Father. In that love for the Father and obedience to the Father, he then gave himself for us, died in our place, on our behalf. He became poor that we might become rich. He touched the leper, the sick, delivered the ones who needed deliverance from evil. Even when he was tired and exhausted, he broke bread for 5,000 and he loved the neighbor, his neighbor, just as valuable as he would see himself. Jesus was the ultimate both and. Loving God, and out of that love for God, loving neighbor. And I wonder if that's God's call for us. Not I wonder. I believe it is. God's calling us to be both and people. Both and people. Who cultivate this deep, close intimate relationship with God and that leads us to care and live into a love for others that values them as God values them. All in. All in in every way. Let's now continue to worship God, this God, who invites us to be a both and life with him.